Welcome to Unworldly Everything. You have now opened the door to higher worlds and unanswered questions. On the show, we seek the fringes of our mental limits and deep dive into all things superhuman, supernatural, and paranormal. We are your hosts, psychic medium Bonnie McCliss and my psychic daughter, Julia Gerber. Join us as we move through a journey of awakening this strange, mystical, spiritual revolution. death be sleep when life is but a dream and scenes of bliss pass as a phantom by the transient pleasures as a vision seem and yet we think the greatest pain is to die how strange it is that a man on earth should roam and lead a life of woe but not forsake his rugged path nor dare he view alone his future doom which is but to awake That was a poem by the magical John Keats leading us into today's episode. We will be discussing the mystical and often misunderstood world of our dreams. We will follow some well-known pioneers of the human dreamscape. I've noticed that when it comes to dreams, people often chalk their strange dreams up to imagination or an active subconscious pulling from the moments they experience in real life. Many believe that the dream world is just a random sense of chaos and not to be held to the same contemplations and standards as their waking life. After all, dreams are just a place where the junk of our mind goes to play out its stories in the night. Possibly, aspects of this may be true. But what of the larger macro scale of life when we are stumped on our individual and collective human condition? Nature can always lead us to the truth. As above is below, light and dark, the sun and the moon, the northern and southern equators of earth. As we view the earth's whole, we can begin to clearly see its halves. Dreaming is just simply our other half, a part of our complex completion of a whole life experience just as the sun and the moon dance in their opposites and meet in the middle within the twilight to the dawn. Dreaming is just as valuable to your conscious experience as your everyday waking reality. The dream world has been studied by some of the greatest minds. A portal between time and space contained within the borders of the human conscious and subconscious mind To date, most psychologists support this as the continuity hypothesis, which states that dreams are a continuation of what happens in our waking life. And of course, numerous studies have shown that dreams often reflect our day-to-day activities and can act as some kind of nocturnal therapist, helping us to process experience and prepare for real-life problems. But the question is, What is real life? Is the dream state really a lesser state and sub-experience? 
What if the key lies in the two worlds standing as equals? The well-known Sigmund Freud, an Austrian neurologist and the founder of psychoanalysis, reported that everything can finally be made whole within the details and depths of the unconscious. And it is only after seeing one's unconscious revealed by dreams that we shall fully understand the whole human. Freud surmised, we are what we are because of what we have been. This concept of active space in between those moments of life was also beautifully captured by the 18th century poet and philosopher John Keats with his profound delivery of something he refers to as negative capability. This phrase refers to a genius space within all of us that is found beyond the binary systems of the mind and offered up in plain sight as we with awareness simply exist through our uncertainties, mysteries, doubts, and chaos. In this process, we gain the ability to perceive and recognize truths beyond the reach of our consecutive reasoning. In short, when we witness and become conscious of the unconscious chaos, the lost pieces of us somehow find their way back home, allowing us to once and for all transcend the problems that have kept us stuck on this endless hamster wheel of life's predicaments. I personally fall into the belief of the more modern approach to dreams, something referred to as the quantum hologram theory. This theory suggests that our dream life is the unconscious content that creates potential life in a quantum field of space, a potential capacity for the human consciousness to create worlds upon worlds, occupying many different dimensions and planes all at once. Even after centuries of people dreaming, we still know so little about how and why we do it. Theories range everywhere from dreams simply being subconscious representations of unrealized desires and wishes, or maybe they are just a way of consolidating and processing information that we gathered throughout the day. While others believe that they are nothing more than random interpretations of signals moving from the brain and body while we sleep. We may not know why we dream, but we do know that the average person dreams three to six times a night, and that 95% of those dreams will be forgotten by the time they wake next. Ever since I was a little girl, I've always had the most wild and vivid dreams. Dreams so real that I often would confuse them with reality. And even to this day, I sometimes find it hard to distinguish a memory of a real event from my childhood to something that happened only in my dreams. One of these false memories was of a trailer that my mom and I lived in when I was very young. We were still living in Las Vegas, Nevada at the time, and for those who haven't been there, you might have already guessed that there isn't much between the casinos and the strip except arid desert. Nothing much in the way of plants or the occasional sad palm tree. And yet for some reason, whenever I think of that trailer, my mind's eye doesn't see a seedy trailer park, but one lone trailer in the middle of a lush green clearing surrounded by trees. 
As a kid, I would often think on this memory as a safe bubble of comfort. It was a part of my childhood, untouched by anything else in the world. It felt so real to me that I would even remember my uncle sometimes coming up the cobble pathway to the trailer and greeting me at the door. Different little blips of memory, and yet there never was a forest, or a clearing, or a fairy-like cobble pathway. I had asked my mom about this memory several times over the course of my life, and at some point along the way, I realized it wasn't real, or at least not in accordance to this current reality. It was a warped image of the past I may or may not have actually even experienced, except for maybe in a dream. I drug my poor unassuming husband onto this episode, another fellow dreamer. (laughs) So I think it's pretty great because I talk to a lot of people and men don't seem to be in touch with their dream side a lot of the time. It's mostly the women. So welcome to the show. We're excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Good. (laughs) So I want to, I want to ask you, um, What's your what's your idea of dreams? Do you do you retain them? First, let me react to the first part where you said that men don't seem to have as many dreams. I think men don't share their dreams as much. Interesting. I think maybe there's some sort of a stigma about having some sort of airy, nebulous idea floating around in your brain that you can't trace the meaning of. In my case personally, I don't know that there's anybody that I share my dreams with other than with you. So right. I don't know necessarily that men don't dream as much, only that there any kind of study would probably end up with a lot of men saying they don't, even if they do. <laughs> That's fair. I know that, you know, obviously in your day job in the past, in your career, you've been a detective, you've worked um, in law enforcement. Would you ever say that some of your problems in your waking state um, that you've carried into dreamland have resolved themselves in a dream state and you've woken up with some answers or have you ever... Oh, absolutely. I I think that when you fall asleep with something on your mind and your your consciousness sort of gives over to unconsciousness and... I think that there's a lot of creativity in the the dream space that you have that you don't necessarily have when you're awake. I think that there's a, a different kind of focus that your subconscious brings to bear on any sort of problems that you fall asleep with, at least in, in some cases. And I have woken up with really fresh ideas or really uh, different distinct directions that I want to go to in an investigation or in a project that I'm working on. Sometimes I'll wake up with these fresh ideas and wonder where they came from. And later on in the day, I don't recall my dreams right after waking up usually, but later on in the day, sometimes I remember the dream that it came from. And I, I think that the subconscious is a place where your, or, or dream state is, is a place where your subconscious can solve problems that you that you can't solve because being conscious, there's a whole other set of things going on in, in your life. But when you right. fall asleep, if you fall asleep focused on that problem or that problem crops back up when you're asleep, I mean, sometimes your subconscious just wants a stab at it. I have one more question, if you will endure. Is there any dream that comes to your mind, whether a reoccurring dream as a child or a lucid dream or anything that you've had over the course of your life that seems to stand out um, more than others, even if you haven't come to terms with what it means? Is there is there anything that stands out in your mind? There is one that I've been, I guess I've been struggling with since I, uh, for as long as I can remember. The longest standing memory that I have of a dream is of waking up in a basket as a as a baby and being surrounded by snakes. And I've taken that terror in that dream into my conscious life. I don't really have any any real reason to be afraid of snakes, but I'm really petrified of snakes. And I don't know where that dream came from. And consciously, I know that they're just 
another animal, but for some reason they're very much a symbol of fear for me. And I've been wondering how to break that dream down and I've never come up with a with an adequate explanation for it. But wow. it's a it's a vivid dream and it's a dream that, that I'll still have from time to time, pretty much exactly as I've described it. And I don't know why, I don't know what it means, but it 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 does kind of puzzle me sometimes. Julia was talking earlier in the episode about having these memories from childhood, describing our first location that we lived together, having this, you know, lush environment with trees and a cobblestone path. And then, you know, in her adult life, realizing that that was actually never a reality, but it was still such a strong imprint, almost like a memory. So does this feel it's when you're talking about the snakes and the baby in the basket, it almost I can feel it coming off you. It's like there's such a like a strong energy. Does this feel almost like a memory that you know, it's clearly in my case, it's clearly a case of a memory of a dream. I, it's nothing that I've ever confused with reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I will say as I as I get older, my memory of my childhood and my memory of my dreams in my childhood do kind of get mixed up, I think. And right. it's kind of harder harder as my years progress. It's harder to draw a distinction. And I wonder how much bleed over there is in my actual, you know, memories from vivid dreams I had when I was a child versus right. actual experiences that, that, I, that I've had. I do think that dreaming and life, they inform each other. You dream about the things that are in your life. And sometimes your dreams put a different spin on them and sort of illustrate a different facet of some something either that you're struggling with or uh, a relationship or an idea or even just, you know, creating an ambition. I think that your subconscious affects that in your real life and your real life, I think, affects what you're going to dream about. So I think they're they're kind of intertwined in a, in a really complicated way. And I, I don't think that's necessarily the same for everybody, but I think that everybody has a, a balance in there of dreams to to reality i guess thank you so much for giving us your insights on the dream world and your experiences you're very welcome i personally believe that dream life is the gateway to our higher selves where we gain insight to our soul's problems and pain as well as access our greatest potential this brings me to a quick synopsis of the different significant states of dreaming The first is the ability to experience something called lucid dreaming. Just like in your day life, you seek to actively work through your problems and choose a preferred course of action. Lucid dreams are dreams when you know that you're dreaming while you're asleep. You're aware that the events flashing through your brain aren't really happening. Or better yet, you have an awareness that you are experiencing an alternate reality. A well-known physicist, David Bohm, thought that lucid dreaming held an important key to understanding the connection between the conscious and the subconscious mind. His theory was that through lucid dreaming, one could actually manifest things to happen not only in the dreaming world, but the waking one as well. For example, he once jokingly mentioned that doing physics research in our lucid dreams would be easier to obtain funding for cutting-edge physics research if we could dream up our own laboratories and research assistants. Lucid dreaming can be a fun and really surreal experience, and though you may not be able to control your dreams, just being aware that you're actually dreaming is enough to look upon your personal inner theater with new perspective and fascination.
Another very interesting kind of dreaming pattern is reoccurring dreams. I would even venture to say that these kinds of dreams are more important and more fascinating than the lucid ones. Reoccurring dreams hold stories, thoughts, memories, or scenes that happen over and over again. Sometimes this can be born of past traumas or other subconscious irritations that try desperately to make themselves known while you're asleep as they are represented during the day. Not all reoccurring dreams are particularly negative, though. When you experience these repetitive dreams, they usually mean that there is something in your life, some hidden aspect, that is not really being addressed, and they are often symbolic and not always straightforward. For example, having several dreams a week about running from something and not being able to go fast enough, all of your limbs being involuntarily sluggish, as if time slowed only for you, could represent an anxiety or frustration you experience in the waking world with not being able to do something well enough. It might not be exactly about you trying to run from something, but that you just can't seem to do a task or project to the fullest, which just manifests in a deep, buried frustration that can only be dealt with by your inner nightly therapist, Reoccurring Dreams. So we've gone into the details of lucid dreaming and reoccurring dreams, but what about those dreams that hold monumental symbolism, those powerful ones that you know when you wake up meant something more. Dreams about houses and multi-level buildings in particular are probably one of the most symbolic sorts of dreams that you can have. How would you describe or explain these dreams that have such powerful significance and what they might mean, especially when it comes to those about houses and buildings, Mom? This is actually one of my favorite topics, and I know we talk about it often, Julia. I know that you've had several house dreams, and there are many different theories and ideas about what this could portray about our deep subconscious worlds. But to me, intuitively, house dreams represent kind of like your inner psyche. Is the house well-kept? Does it appear to be neglected? Is the house with large rooms or many rooms? Does the house seem well-proportioned? Are its internal spaces cramped or spacious? Are there rooms that you are unable to access? Are there spirits living in the basement or the attic? I remember a while ago, I would have strong reoccurring house dreams. Um, it was at the beginning days of me working as a professional medium. And in several of the dreams, I would be scared to go up into the attic in fear of accessing the spirit world and it overthrowing my soul. <laughs> so, um, you know, I know the dreams kind of helped me gain my confidence. And eventually, as I grew more confident in my waking life as a medium, I was actually able in the dream world to hold the door open to the attic to allow the spirits to cross over into a higher plane. So these house dreams seem to put life under a microscope, inviting you to have a deeper metaphoric language of symbols that represent the soul and the Akashic Record contracts, I think. So that was my ramble. Julia, you're actually my little dreamer. Um, it's like your own special superhuman power. You have been dreaming these exotic dreams since you were a little girl. She's over there beaming. I know you can't see it, but I actually am very curious for myself and for our listeners. You know, you've had so many, I, I would even say prophetic dreams. I don't know if you would consider it that, but what would you say in your opinion was maybe the strangest dream that you can, that you can recall? 
Well, I have to say, I've had so many strange dreams. Some people say that they don't dream in color, which I just cannot imagine. I swear, I dream in technicolor. <laughs> but I suppose the strangest and most powerful dream that I can remember was actually fairly recent. I dreamt that I was in this big truck or jeep going down a road late at night with some friends and family with like 10 other people packed into this small car and it was nighttime it was very dark and i couldn't see well but on top of that i didn't have my contacts in which uh i must say happens a lot when i dream for whatever reason sometimes my vision is horribly blurry as it would be without my contacts or glasses in any case i'm driving along this dark windy road at night in the middle of the woods and the mountains the road we're on is barely more than a dirt path perched precariously on this edge of a valley and I'm speeding, going maybe 50 or 60 miles per hour when BAM! This car slams into a boulder out of nowhere and the car goes airborne and it starts to flip over and over down the steep mountainside. I cannot emphasize enough just how impactful it felt. I felt every single crash and bump and the fluttery feeling in my stomach when the car would go airborne to flip another time. It was like actually physically being punched. Even when I woke up, I remember just how vivid and real it felt. But rather than thinking about how I was clearly about to die, I thought, this is my fault. I was speeding and I couldn't see and I knew I couldn't see and I hit this boulder out of nowhere and it's my fault that we're all going to die and that these people are going to die. It's going to be on my own conscious. And so we kept tumbling down that mountain in the car and it was really the longest damn fall in the world. We must have flipped well over 20 times. But when we finally reached the bottom and the car rocked, beaten and bent, finally slowing to a halt. Miraculously, myself and everyone else in the car was alive and managed to climb out with just a few scrapes and bruises. And when I looked around, I realized that we were now at the edge of the woods on the outskirts of a small mountain village at the bottom of the valley. We had landed in someone's backyard and the couple who had lived there ran out and helped us all inside, offering us food and aid and eventually... We were, they were able to show us around the town, and we see that this whole town was glowing with hundreds of lanterns and string lights. And this couple that's helped us is explaining that they were having some sort of light festival here in the village, but it wasn't the only thing weird and noticeable about this place. The entire world now seemed like it was bending in on itself like a scene out of Inception or Doctor Strange. Like, rather than looking over the horizon and seeing it curve downward eventually as this world's a sphere, it was like inverted. You could see, instead of it sloping downward and disappearing, you could see it sloping upward over your head. And it was very normal and a natural occurrence here. 
Once we were traveling along this particular road, and up ahead we saw that the road curved upward over itself in a U-shape. And the couple warned us that people would get vertigo walking along it for the first time, so it was best to close your eyes. And so we started to walk along this road, and gravity never changed as we started walking vertically, and then upside down as it folded over itself. And yes, it did make me very nauseous. It was like going upside down on a roller coaster without any gravity or pressure changing. Just the rest of the world hanging upside down. This dream stands out to me particularly because of not only how long the dream was, but how absolutely real and vivid it felt. It didn't feel like a dream. It felt like I had died in a car crash and woke up in a completely different universe. It traveled to a different place that we'd not discovered yet. And sure, it could be the musings of subconscious creativity, but it definitely felt like so much more than I could ever do justice of describing it. That's amazing, actually. You know, and just hearing you repeat that, I, would you say that that felt every bit as real as your waking reality? Oh, absolutely. Right. With even a felt sensation as you were tumbling in the car. I mean, you've never, thank God, been in a car accident, so you don't even know no, what that feels yeah. like. And But now I feel like I do, just after that dream. I've actually, every time I've been in the car since, I've just almost been more conscious of the dangers of crashing. It's made me a little bit paranoid. Yeah, I bet it has. And it's really cool, you know, the spiral effect. It, it's almost like Twilight Zone walking into your head. Like like something oh, was trying was to bizarre. suggest that you are definitely in an alternate reality. Okay, so your turn. You got to tell us your strange, probably actually prophetic <laughs> dreams. Oh my goodness, just choosing. Um my strangest, I think, um, and also most life-changing dream was a dream that I had several years ago on a winter solstice. I think about this dream several times a week still. The dream almost began with a narration for me. I heard a voice explaining to me that I was to work with higher races or higher beings and that currently the dimension that I was residing in was coming to a close. The narrating voice explained to me that this is why I had recently been so sick. There simply wasn't enough sustenance where I was residing. This is also why I had been feeling this strong emotion of loss and homesickness. It's almost like I knew that this dimension was coming to an ultimate close. I was told that I had a choice of being rehomed to a higher frequency or a lower one. Of course, I knew I would never survive a lower frequency or dimension. In the dream, I had a stark clarity that this is why so many other people are dying. Their home or their dimension or their frequency was being removed or shutting down. I began wandering around the streets of downtown Nashville. I felt profoundly lost, lonely, and scared. I remember thinking in the back of my mind, why would I feel all of these things? I know I have a home and a family to go back to. On the streets, I saw several people, older people, they were carrying little red shoes like shot glasses. An older woman that looked like a dead ringer of Elizabeth Taylor <laughs> strolled up to me and said that she liked me very much, mostly because I decided to put on red Converse shoes that day. 
She was so delighted in this. I looked down at my feet and sure enough, I was wearing red Converse shoes that I did not own. Actually, side note, I later learned that seeing red on my body in my dreams would represent a direct contact with someone in the spirit world. So in this dream, I next gathered up several items from a Goodwill store and began moving into what seemed like a shelter. I gave some things away that I knew I wouldn't be using to people that were begging for resources. I used what little I had left to fix up the room, like a tent-like room, as nice as I could. I had a small memory in the back of my head that I was doing some type of undercover journalistic report on the homeless. Many of the shelter residents seemed mentally disturbed, and actually one woman, upon my refusal to give her any more of my personal things as I was stripped down to the bare basics, entered my tent and began to beat me, hitting me in the head several times, holding me down on the bed. The narrating voice returned. It was explaining to not fight, just to simply be. So I didn't. I didn't fight. I knew in the back of my mind that I should hold loving kindness and empathy for her. The woman eventually grew physically weak and tired of hitting me. She then burst out into tears as she left the room. Another shelter resident, an extremely large man, entered my tent at that time. He wanted to just hold my hand, almost to give me a healing. He was dirty and a little unstable and covered in like a light blue body paste. He had bright blue eyes and told me that he was a Buddhist and that he was here to offer me all of the love and kindness that I deserved. As terrible as it sounds, I continued to sustain beatings by other homeless residents. Again, same reaction. I knew I was to remain calm and just love back without fighting. I knew they would wear down and reach a place of openness. Whenever I would need a healing or energy to go on, someone would just magically show up at my tent at the perfect moment to heal my wounds and give me strength. To me, this dream is so significant because it gave me some type of map that I use all of the time guiding me on my earthly mission, knowing how to be with people, to just shine and be a force of love and light, even in the face of pain and darkness. Of course, there are many kinds of dreams with a number of different meanings. We today covered the minimum of the chasm that is our dreamscape. If you are interested in learning more about the symbolism behind your nightly stories, there are many great dream interpretation books out there, my favorite being Sylvia Brown's Book of Dreams. The brain and the subconsciousness are as vast and mysterious as our Earth's oceans. We know very little, and there's still so much more to explore. Realities and coded meanings of our own thoughts, feelings, or even our deepest desires, the key to truly knowing ourselves, perhaps lies dormant in our dreams. Thank you for listening to Unworldly Everything. Thank you.